you all are dismissed to Kids Barn. Enjoy. Have a great time. sort of messed me up on Sunday not sending the kids out and seeing them run through those doors so how y'all doing good good I'm glad to be here with you guys tonight if I haven't met you my name is Dallas I'd love the opportunity of meeting you after the service if I haven't had the honor Um, if I have had the honor and you just want to talk to me that's great too I'd love that as well Um, as we get started here tonight there um, are two realities that are true in the book of Jonah and in life, and essentially it's this. One, we have a tendency to resist or even run from God. This is our sin. And two, he has a tendency to chase after us. This is his grace that he offers to us. So we run, he pursues. And his hope is that one day that we will stop running and turn towards him. This is our repentance towards him. Uh, But not to stop there, then to come alongside of him as he pursues other people and uses us as an instrument, works through us to help others to do the same. And I don't think it stops there either. To take it a step further, I think he also wants us to demonstrate this kingdom of God that breaks every barrier, including our own enemies. That ultimate maturity for us living in the kingdom of God is for us to get to a point where we actually desire to bring the good news of the gospel to our enemies. So that's our main point here tonight. When you want your enemy to become your family, that is maturity in Christ. Now, Jonah (laughs) didn't see it that way. Uh, Jonah was a stickler for justice, or at least justice for his enemies. And now, Jonah is clearly wrong here, but uh, I don't want us to judge him too quickly. Um, It could be one of two things. One, he could just have a prejudice against the people of Nineveh. Um, Nineveh is the capital of Assyria, essentially, which is close to where Jonah lives, but it is not a Jewish nation. So there could just be some prejudice some disgust for these people. It could be just that simple, or it could be something more than that. Uh, The Assyrian people were known for their brutality, especially towards foreign nations. Um, If you look up some of the things that they did to foreign nations, I don't even feel comfortable describing what those things are here on stage with you tonight. I mean, gruesome, gruesome stuff that they would do to foreign nations. And with Jonah being so close to Nineveh, it is certainly possible that he has felt some of that brutality close to home. Is it possible that maybe a spouse, a kid, someone close to him and his family was affected by this brutality? Yes, it's certainly possible. But again, the reality still remains that God wants us ultimately to have hearts that long 
for even our enemies to receive the good news of the gospel. A uh, question I have for us tonight is, are you okay with the fact that God loves your enemies just as much as he loves you and me? Now, I don't think that's too hard for us in theory, but what if that person is our enemy because they have done something really wrong to us? We're talking stuff to your kids, stuff to people close to you. Now, that changes the ball game, doesn't it? Now, take it a step further. How would you feel if God then asked you to take the good news of the gospel to those enemies? How would you feel at that moment? I'd love for us to just dwell in that thought here today. Because what you'd be doing is you'd be inviting your enemy into your family. Now this is hard. This is hard stuff. And this is what we're likely talking about in the story of Jonah here tonight. Again, when you want your enemy to become your family, this is maturity in Christ. But Jonah does not want the people of Nineveh to repent. He wants their destruction. But God does with Nineveh what he does with Jonah. Time and time and time again, when we repent, he offers grace. When we repent, he offers grace. Repentance always is followed up by grace and mercy. Y'all, I cannot find an example in the scriptures. If you found it, Please let me know after the service. I can't find an example where repentance is not met with grace and mercy. So, tonight we're going to read through the book of Jonah. Um, We're going to read through the whole book of Jonah tonight. Um, So, follow along with me. If you have your Bibles, Jonah chapter 1. It will be on the screen as well because we have some gracious tech people who don't mind putting an entire book in there for us to look at on the screen. So thank you guys. Uh, We'll be Jonah chapter 1 and we'll read through chapter 4 here tonight. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Go at once to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it. For their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah set out to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid his fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and such a mighty storm came upon the sea that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners, uh, were, uh, the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. They threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it up for them. Jonah, meanwhile, had gone down into the hold of the ship, had uh, lain down, and was fast asleep. The captain came and said to him, What are you doing? Sound asleep. Get up. Call your God. Perhaps the God will spare us a thought so that we do not perish. The sailors said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, so that we may know on whose account this calamity has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us why this calamity has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? 
I am a Hebrew, he replied. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Now, don't you love... (laughs) He's trying to escape God's presence through the sea, and he's now saying that he is God of the sea. I just find that very interesting. Then the men were even more afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them so. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea was growing more and more uh, tempestuous. I think I nailed that. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Although the applause is a bit much because that kind of makes it seem like, wow, Dallas, can't believe you got that right. Uh, He said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that uh, this great storm has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to bring the ship back to land, but they could not. For the sea grew more and more stormy against them. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, O Lord, we pray, do not let us perish on account of this man's life. Do not make us guilty on innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked Jonah up and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord even more, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. But the Lord provided a large fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, I do want to stop there for just a second. This isn't a problem. I think a lot of people get hung up on the fact that Jonah was in the belly of a great fish. Uh, Factually, I looked this up, you can, a 16-foot or longer great white shark, you can easily sit in the belly of a great white shark. That's at least that big. That's no problem at all. Not to mention the fact that God can do whatever he wants to do. Also, there was just last year, I don't know if you guys have heard this story, but in Cape Cod, there was a man who was swallowed up by a humpback whale. Did you guys hear about this? And lived to tell the tale. Chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried and heard my voice. You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and all your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. How shall, I, how shall I look again upon your holy temple? The waters closed in over me. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. As my life was ebbing away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who worship vain idols forsake their true loyalty, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Deliverance belongs to the Lord. Then the Lord spoke to the fish, and it spewed Jonah out upon the dry land. Chapter 3. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. I guess he didn't have a good time in the fish, so he decided to listen this time. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. A lot of people think that this city was about 600,000 people. 
Because at the end of uh, chapter 4, it talks about 120,000 people who didn't know their left from their right. So we're talking about children. So think about 600,000 people at this time period. It's about roughly the size of New Orleans today. Uh, let's see, where was I? Chap- uh, chapter 3, verse 5 or 4. Okay, thank you. Jonah began to go into the city going a day's walk, and he cried out, Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone great and small put on sackcloth. Now, you might be thinking what I'm thinking when I read this story, that these brutal people who are so self-absorbed, they don't care about anybody else, they just brutally kill them, and then somebody comes and says, repent, and they say, okay, I mean... Think about that. Why would they just all of a sudden repent? Um, I heard a good theory. I don't know if this is true or not, but if you were in the belly of a fish for three days, your, uh, that stomach acid would not only burn all your clothes and your hair and your skin and all that, but it would actually bleach your skin to where you'd be this like pasty, albino, white, no hair, no eyebrow hair, nothing. And so I wonder if these people just thought this dude is like straight out of heaven to come give us this message. And so there was a humility present when they saw this messenger to say, yeah, okay, like this seems legit, this seems real, let's repent because it seems like God is going to have his judgment on us here today. Uh, And to put on sackcloth, that is an act of humility. Verse 6, when the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. This is is saying, like, I've waved the white flag. I'm going to sit in in humility, in uh, almost really a humiliation of the things that I have done. Then he made a proclamation in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, no human being or animal, no herd or flock shall taste anything. They shall not feed, nor shall they drink water. Human beings and animals shall be covered with sackcloth, and they shall cry mightily to God. All shall turn from their evil ways and from the violence that is in their hands. Who knows? God may relent and change his mind. He may turn from his fierce anger so that we do not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Chapter 4. But this was very displeasing to Jonah, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said while I was still in my own country? That is why I fled to tarnish at the beginning. For I knew you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and ready to relent from punishing. This is the most quoted text. This is found in Exodus 36. This is the most quoted text in the Bible by the Bible. And Jonah knows the reason he left from the beginning is he knew He said, oh, I hate these people. I can't stand them. And now God is going to uh, potentially allow this group of people to repent. 
and be a part of this kingdom. And Jonah wanted no part of it. Verse 4, And the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? Then Jonah went out of the city and sat down east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade, waiting to see what would become of the city. The Lord God appointed a bush and made it come over Jonah to give shade over his head, to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was very happy about the bush. I love that sentence. He's very happy about the bush. Good. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the bush so that it withered. When the sun rose, God prepared a sultry east wind and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint and asked that he might die. He said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the bush? And he said, yes, angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, You are concerned about the bush for which you did not labor and which you did not grow. It came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not be concerned about Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also many animals? Let's pray for a second. Father, uh, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the fact that you, um, you speak to us through it. Father, there are truths in this text that we can cling to, that you are a gracious and compassionate and loving Father, and you desire for us to turn from our ways. And so, Father, help us. Help us to see. Give us eyes to see where we're missing the mark. Give us a humility to turn towards you. And give us a maturity to come alongside of you and just celebrate when you're doing things in our community. Father, because you are. You're doing them, and I pray that you'll continue. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So, God is in the business of using some of the most underqualified people to share his message, is he not? I mean, you think about Jonah, there's really no character here. And yet, and yet God works through Jonah. Uh, many scholars think that Jonah is actually a name that was given to this prophet later on. Uh, there's a tradition that I think actually still goes on today in Jewish culture where um, they, uh, they'll come together and they'll re- recite something all together. Because in Hebrew culture, the word Jonah means dove. And that word translated doesn't mean peace in this context. It means silly little bird. So they'll all come together and they'll meet and at once they'll say together, they'll say, I am Jonah. And what they mean by that is we continue to miss the mark. We continue to mess up. We continue to give into our prejudice. But God continues to chase us. And y'all, he continues to chase us here today as well. I think, do we realize that tonight? That all he wants is for us to repent. And when we do, grace and mercy abound. You know, Jesus himself recounts the story of Jonah in Matthew 12 for us. He says this in verse 40 and 41. 
He says, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something greater than Jonah is here. Now, you have to understand, Jesus is talking to the religious people of the day here. He's talking to the Pharisees and the scribes, and he has just said that the people of Nineveh, the people that we just talked about, could condemn these Pharisees and scribes because they repented. Y'all, I don't think we can juxtapose the Pharisees and the Ninevites enough. The Pharisees were a lot more ethical and moral than the Ninevites. I mean, don't get me wrong, the Pharisees had their problems, and Jesus pointed them out very clearly. But it wasn't terrorism, it wasn't brutal murders and things like this. But again, they repented. And Jesus values repentance so much that this is really the most important thing that we have got to do. And this isn't a one-time repentance. There is an initial repentance that we need in order to begin a relationship with God in order to enter into the kingdom of God, but there is a continual repentance that we must continue in order to leave our old life behind and embrace new life in this kingdom. We must become a people who are marked by repentance. Because if we can repent, then what we're doing is we're saying, look, My way hasn't worked. Y'all, repentance is not a popular thing in our culture today, is it? Right? Because the culture thinks that it's weakness to actually admit that you're wrong, to actually say you're sorry is weakness. But we know that if we repent, if we acknowledge our shortcomings, then what actually happens is we begin to find strength because we're turning towards His strength. And operating in his strength. If we can become the kind of people who humbly acknowledge time after time after time that we are missing the mark and turn towards him, man, we will begin to live life in the kingdom of God the way that he has intended. The question I have for us tonight is very simply, where do we need to repent tonight? What areas of our lives do we need to repent of tonight. Maybe there are relationships around us or close to us. I mean, enemies is one thing, and also family is another thing too, right? Where do we need to repent tonight and get that grace from him when we do? Y'all, earlier today I was um, preparing for this message, and um, I I texted out another church leader and I said something essentially of like, hey, I hope everything's going great for you, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then I left that conversation, and then I started doing this message, and I was talking about, you know, repentance tonight and all that stuff. And then I realized, Dallas, the thing that you just texted out to him, I'm not sure that that's actually true in your heart. That... Sometimes I will want somebody else's success as long as 
I'm having a little bit more success than them. And I want to become the kind of person who just sees good and celebrates good whether it has anything to do with me or not. We must become the kind of people who recognize when we are just missing the mark. That there's not a connection to the truth and the reality. We're faking it or we're missing it. Or we have these blind spots up because we're not willing to look into the fact that it is a blind spot for us. Y'all, we have got to be a people of repentance. It is not a question of salvation. Once we are in the kingdom of God, we are in the kingdom of God. It's not a matter of salvation I'm talking about here. Okay? I'm talking about, do we live our lives in repentance here tonight? Uh, worship team is going to come back forward, and I just want to share and end on some good news here. <laughs> just as Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly of a fish, and then got out and shared God's grace with these Ninevites, so Jesus spent three days and three nights in the grave and then shared the good news of God's grace to all people. To all people. Guys, if we can become the kind of people who say, I get excited about not only repentance and turning towards Him time and time again, but also I get excited about coming alongside of God as He wants to work in my enemies so that they can become a part of my family. Guys, this is maturity in Christ. Can we become a, the kind of people who say, yes, God, this person that's wronged me, man, I hope, you, I hope you work in their heart. I want to come alongside of you and do it. God, this person that did this thing to my family, man, work in them. Help me become a part of that too. This is living life in the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for who you are, that's your character, that we can learn just from these stories of, of how you continue to pursue Jonah. I mean, Jonah is not the hero in this story by any stretch of the imagination. We are not the hero of the story by any imagination, but you are. That your character is on display in this story, that you are compassionate, that you are abounding in love, that you continue to desire for all us to do, all of us to do is just turn toward you and walk alongside of you and work in the areas that you desire to work in. And so, Father, make us a people who desire to do that with you. Father, we know that you're doing good things. You continue to do good things. And I pray that you will help us to see and help us to be a part of what you're doing. We love you a lot. In Jesus' name, amen.